This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the Hockey News Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Hockey News Podcast. I am Matt Larkin. I'm with Ken Campbell. I'm with Ryan Kennedy. And we are wrapping up our season preview podcast with our new realigned fancy wancy divisions. We've done three already. We're doing the East, which I think is an absolute shark tank of a division, even though it doesn't have the sharks. And uh, if you've been following along, you know the rules. We're going through these teams according to our rankings in our yearbook. It doesn't mean we agree with the rankings. Those are staff consensus and some minor roster changes have been made since that issue went to print, but those are the established rules. So we're going to dive right into it with the team we have ranked at the bottom, fellas, the New Jersey Devils. So Ryan, let's kick it off with you. Tell me what you like about the Devils. What potential do you see in this team for this year after a string of disappointing seasons? I like the potential in this group, and I like that they look more like an NHL team on paper, at least this year, than they did last year. I think bringing in guys like Ryan Murray and uh, Corey Crawford in net and to a lesser extent, Andreas Janssen up front, they're, they're taking a roster that was pretty threadbare and now it's at least decent. I, I, I do think that this is where they belong in the standings. Um, you know, they're, they're going to struggle, but they're putting together something nice and they're doing it in an organic way. They're not taking shortcuts. I mean, the, the important pieces here are Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer as the one-two punch down the middle at center. They're building around that. I think Tom Fitzgerald had a very good offseason. And now it's just a matter of giving this group time to you know, become a cohesive NHL squad. And, and I would toss Ty Smith into that category as well. You know, This is all about the future with the Devils, but I don't think they're going to be tragic, which I think is kind of important. You know, it's funny, last year we were, you know, I mean, this time last, well, not this time last year, but before the season last year, everybody was talking about how they had brought in P.K. Subban. It was a great big splashy acquisition. You know, they had drafted Jack Hughes first overall, and everybody was projecting, you know, the Devils to, to you know, to really make an impact and to, you know, to really sort of take that next step. And obviously it turned out disastrously. I mean, there are a couple of people in John Hines and Ray Shiro who no longer have their jobs uh, in part because of that. Um, you know, but this year, you know, you see a much more, as you said, right, a much more measured approach, you know, maybe not the same sort of splashy kind of acquisition, but again, you know, a Ryan Murray is, is really going to help him defensively. And he's on a, he's on a, he's on the last year of his deal. I could see him being a, a trade deadline sort of chip, you know, Corey Crawford is another guy. Um, you know, and on, even a guy like Andreas Johnson, you know, that they picked up from the Toronto Maple Leafs for Joey Anderson. As you said, they're sort of building up some sort of second tier level guys that, you know, can at least contribute at the NHL level. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. They are they are going to struggle. But uh, but, you know, there, there seems to be a plan in place. You know, it looks like they're fully willing to execute that plan. 
And, uh, you know, I, I think we sort of had to reset everything after last year or very early into last year with the Devils. And now we're, you know, now I think expectations are a lot more realistic for this team. For sure. I'm with you guys. And I, and I especially do see it on, on the defense score uh, because I do expect Ty Smith's going to make the team and he's probably going to be their most talented offensive blue liner, maybe right away, given the fact that Subban, PK Subban's in decline and, you know, guys like Will Butcher and Damon Severson, they're just lower ceiling guys. So I think Smith is going to get a chance to, I think, make a difference on that power play right away and bringing in cool Govan Murray. I think that's also going to take maybe some pressure off PK Subban to try and do everything because he is the type of guy that's going to try and do everything because, you know, he, he can carry the puck, he can shoot the puck, he can sort of try to control the game. So maybe he'll have a better season. And speaking of better seasons, a guy I'm really looking at is Jack Hughes. I know, Ryan, you talked to him during the offseason. He had a lot of extra time to train because of the pandemic. He's bulked up a lot. And, you know, he was, he really was one of the worst rookies in the NHL last season. But he also was arguably the most unlucky rookie in the league. He had a super low shooting percentage, I think the lowest of every guy who was qualified in, in, the, in that category. And he actually was really good in terms of generating shots and chances. He was there. He was getting the looks. They just weren't going in the net. So I, I could see a, a really big turnaround for Jack Hughes. Kind of like, you know, we saw it with Steven Stamkos after his rookie season. We saw it with Joe Thornton famously as well. So I know they're not the same types of players, but I think we could see that type of turnaround. So what do you not like with the Devils? I, I assume in this case, the cons still outweigh the pros. Kenny, what, what bothers you about this team? Well, I, you know, unless, unless, you know, Jack Hughes makes that jump that you talked about and Nico Heischer stays healthy and is productive, I, you know, I really, really wonder where the offense is going to come with these guys. Um, you know, they had one score in the top 100 last year, and that was Kyle Palmieri. Um, you know, there's not a lot of pop in this offense. Um, you know, you, you mentioned also P.K. Subban is on the decline, it looks like unless, you know, he comes back this year and uh, uh, as a newfound single man uh, eligible bachelor uh, comes back and, and starts playing like the P.K. Subban of old, uh, you know, you worry about the defense, you know, when, you know, I mean, it's, it's funny because they were, I think they were 28th defensively last year. I don't think they're going to be all that much better this year. And, you know, when, could, when was the last time we could say that about a Devils team? You know, I, I think, you know, I, I think Nico, Nico Heischer, has to stay healthy and he has to be as productive as he was in his rookie season. It's funny. I think Nico Heischer has to prove, you know, uh, not, it doesn't have to prove, but has to rebound to kind of the way he was when he was a rookie. And Jack Hughes, I think has to prove that he's better than he was when he was a rookie. Yeah, I'm totally with you there, Ken. I think offensively they're going to struggle unless somebody really steps up and, I look at that roster and I, I don't see a name that jumps out at me as a player that can make that leap right now, unless Jack Hughes, uh, you know, who is still really young, you know, it, it's important to remember he was the first player ever to go straight from the U S NTDP to the NHL, you know, even guys like Patrick Kane and Austin Matthews went somewhere else you know, before. And um, you know, he, he still has growing to do. He put on some muscle but unless he can produce a lot essentially on his own, um, you know, outside of Kyle Palmieri, I don't see a, a lot of guys on that roster who have 30 goal capabilities. And, and that's going to be the issue. And I think, you know, with Lindsay, with Lindy rough behind the bench, you're getting a little more defensive structure. So again, I, I don't think they're going to be as bad as they were last year, but I think expectations are, are pretty tempered with this particular group. 
Yeah, I'm with you guys. I won't say too much more because I, I just generally agree. I, I just think the best way I can summarize is that, is that I, I think the Devils are just going to be outscored a lot because they don't have that game breaker and they were a below average defensive team. Even if they improve a bit, I just don't see, you know, you have Kyle Palmieri, of course, who I think is one of the most underrated goal scorers in the league. But other than that, you know, I don't think there's someone you can really rely on. Nikita Gusev was pretty inconsistent. He was a lot better as the season progressed. But again, there isn't the, the, the reliable go-to goal scorer uh, after Paul Mary. So I think that's a problem. If you're summarizing this team to the drunk Devils fan at a wedding, I would just say, you know, meh. I don't hate anything about the Devils. I really don't hate this team, but it's a big meh. And I think the East Division looks really tough, extremely tough. I think there's at most two easy outs in the division, and they're not even that easy. I think there are six strong teams in this division at minimum, and that's going to make life tough for the Devils. What do you have, Kenny? Summarize these guys. Uh, well, buddy, your most, your most exciting day of the season this year will be trade deadline day. And I would say put down the pork roll. Corey Crawford can only do so much. <laughs> All right, good. Uh, next up, we have the Buffalo Sabres, the team we have projected at seventh. Uh, obviously, made the big splash with Taylor Hall. So, Ryan, what do you like about the Sabres this year? Well, I mean, they had a pretty exciting offseason. And, you know, it, they're kind of, it's tough that they're in this division, but at least they have some firepower for Jack Eichel. And it, it really all starts with Jack Eichel. I mean, clearly, this is a competitive guy who wants to be in the mix for a playoff spot he wants to be in the playoffs and and now he's got more guys to play with you know taylor hall obviously the marquee acquisition but you know i'm expecting a big comeback from jeff skinner i, I think last year was a, a bit of an an aberration i mean he's had off seasons before but but nothing like like last year i think he's closer to that 30 35 goal guy uh than we saw and you know frankly you know, Rasmus Dahlin is going to be even better on the blue line. And that gives them quite the weapon there. So this is a team that it's growing. Um, I think that they kind of got hurt a little bit by the divisional realignment for this part. But having said that, they're going to have all the motivation in the world. And I think Jack Eichel is, you know, he's, he's one of the, the best centers in the NHL. And I think he's going to prove it. Yeah, I like this team down the middle, obviously, with, um, you know, with Jack Eichel, uh, Mar uh, Eric Stahl, and Cody Eakin, uh, you know, and, and let's not forget Dylan Cousins, uh, who, uh, depending on what happens tonight, uh, could have a gold medal around his neck by the time the season starts, um, you know, will be joining this group as well, probably as a winger, worked in as the wing, but, you know, I could see him, you know, if, 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 uh, if projections are, are, are to be realized here, I could see him, you know, maybe transitioning to center and moving up the depth chart to, as a centerman. Uh, I'm not sure if he's more of a winger at the NHL level or a center, but he's going to be a good player. I think we know that he's going to be a real power forward and a, and a, and a guy to be contended with. You know, I, I think obviously, you know, the Taylor Hall, Jack Eichel, Sam Reinhardt line has, has the potential to be one of the most dynamic lines in the league. You know, and, and you mentioned the defense core, Ryan. I think, you know, they're another year older. They're another year better. They're another year stronger. Um, you know, they, they're good. They're mobile. Um, you know, they can create offense, uh, both in terms of putting up points. And I think just as importantly, getting that puck up to those talented forwards to, to help them give them a chance to do something in the offensive zone. 
For sure. And, and, you know, as much as there was some criticism when Kevin Adams got hired as GM, you know, uh, by the Pagulas, and there was some, you know, talk that they were bringing in a yes man after getting rid of Jason Botterill, I do think you have to give Adams credit for recognizing the single the single, I think, number one reason for Botterill's downfall, which was the Ryan O'Reilly trade, he gutted the team up the middle. I've said this so many times, but I have to say it one more time in this context. He bet too big on Casey Middlestat being ready, and the whole team just crumbled because of the problem up the middle. What did Adams do? He completely reversed that, like you said, Adams or, or uh, Eric Stahl and, and Cody Eakin, and now Dylan Cousins, if Dylan Cousins ends up on that second line eventually as the number one, uh, number two center with guys like Skinner and Reinhardt on his wings, it's because Cousins has earned his way there and is actually ready, unlike Middlestat, who was handed the role. So I think he's completely rectified that problem Kevin Adams has. Uh, and I think at least on the decor, you see, like you said, Ryan Medellin, but also Henry Yokiharu, you, you see potential for further growth from these guys. So there is a lot of ceiling, I think, baked into that defense core. In terms of dislikes, you know, it's funny. I, I see the ceiling in the decor, but I don't see a true reliable shutdown guy. I mean, obviously, Rasmus Dahlin is going to be that. But behind him, uh, I just, it's almost like, you know, you don't want too many veterans, but I feel like the Sabres are missing the equivalent of like a Shea Weber type in that group, someone who has been around the block, who is a leader, who can play a shutdown role. And I don't see that. Uh, in the Sabres decor and also the goaltending is just it's a shrug emoji for me with Linus Allmark and, and Carter Hutton obviously Ukopekalukan and coming down the pipeline is the long-term answer you hope uh, but I don't think it's it's overly exciting what they have in there right now so I still think this is a team that's going to give up a lot of goals and Taylor Hall exciting absolutely especially because I think Jack Eichel I think he's ready for you know a heart trophy level season but we know that Hall obviously is still very injury prone and if you remove Hall from the equation things are a lot less exciting. So I still see overall more downside than upside. Uh, Ryan, what about you? What do you, what do you not like about the Sabres team right now? I'm still concerned about the goaltending. I thought last year was a very good opportunity for Carter Hutton to show that he could be the guy for this Sabres team. And it didn't really work out that way. And, and maybe part of it was, you know, the, the players in front of him, but He's, he's still got to prove that. And, and Linus Allmark is, you know, he's, he's behind him. Um, so I, I don't think they're really strong there. And they're going to face some pretty good shooters in this division. So that's problematic. And yeah, I agree. I, I don't think they have the team defense to make up for that right now, which is why we, we have them kind of in the, the lower tier of this division. That, that would be my concern. And, and as you, you know, referenced, Uko Pekaluokanen, you know, he is the future in net for Buffalo, but you know, the future's not here yet. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go three for three on the goaltending. I'm concerned about that, too. It's it's probably below average by NHL standards. Um, the penalty kill was really bad last year also, um, which doesn't augur well for goals against. Although, you know, you, you would think that that uh, that Eric Stahl and, and even a guy like Tobias Reeder, who they picked up in the offseason, will help with that. Um one of the things that I worry about on this team is, uh, is and you touched on it, Matt, with the, with the veteran presence, you know, not a lot of winners on this team, not a lot of guys who can show the way. And the thing that concerns me about Buffalo historically over the last couple of years is because they're, they're young and, and that I think they, they seem to get caught up in momentum, both positive and negative momentum. You know, like we see them get out of the gate, you know, the last couple of years, they were so good out of the gate. And then they, they hit a bit of a rough patch and then it's just down the sinkhole after that. 
And, and I think that's incumbent on a guy like Jack Eichel to, to really step up the maturity level of his game. I think he's got to be a guy that, you know, when they hit those rough patches, um, you know, he can't be walking around with the big lip. And you, you, we've all seen that. We've all seen that as, as the years have gone on. And, and you know, it's, it's all great and roses when they start. And then when they hit that patch and things go downhill, you can just tell in Eichel's body language and out and out what he says that he's not really happy with the way things are going. I think it's incumbent upon him to, to you know, to, I guess I'm going to say man up a little bit here and, and you know, so show, show some maturity and maybe show the way when those things start to happen. And I, and I do think Ralph Kruger is the kind of guy, the coach Ralph Kruger is the kind of guy, you know, that can engender that kind of thing in this group if he has the time to be able to do it. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, and if you're summarizing the Sabres, what do you say, Ryan? How do you describe this team to that clearly passionate Sabres fan out there? If I'm at a Batavia wedding, I am saying, I don't know if Uko Pekaluokanen has been to Lockport Gambino Ford yet, but he is going to be a great netminder. <laughs> Can I have that parmed? <laughs> no, what I would say is, uh, you know, it sucks to be in this division, bro. <laughs> Your team's getting better, but uh, this is a this is a this is a biatch of a division. <laughs> I'd say uh, just just sit down with your beef on Weck and enjoy the enjoy the Bills right now. They might be going to the Super Bowl. Sabers will have their time, but it's not yet not in this division. Uh, now let's 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 board the hype train with the New York Rangers. Very exciting, high octane team. So, do you see any big changes? We'll start with what we like about the Rangers, Ken. What are you feeling about the Broadway blue shirts? Well, I mean, just what you talked about. I mean, this is a really exciting group with some really amazing top end talent. You know, I think, you know, I mean, we know our Temi Panarin is one of the most dynamic, one of the most creative, one of the most crafty um, offensive players in the NHL. Uh, Mika Zibanejad, you know, really took a step last year. I'm not sure he's ever going to be as good as he was last year. In fact, I think in our pool book, I had him as our, as my sleeper, um, you know, guy to sort of, I, I can't remember how we phrased it, but the, the guy that's going to not reach expectations this year. Um, I don't know if that's the case, but, but he, you know, he did do it last year. You know, I, I don't think that any two defensemen had more points than uh, Tony D'Angelo and Adam Fox, who had 95 last year. You know, obviously a really, really exciting team. If any, if nothing, I think that the New York Rangers are going to be must-watch this year. Um, they're going to be exciting. They're going to probably be exciting at both ends of the ice, but they are going to be a team that you're going to go, oh, the Rangers are playing tonight. I have to watch that game. Yeah, totally. There's going to be a lot of, five, four games on the Rangers schedule and they, they could go either way. I, I think this is a team that, you know, they're a little bit ahead of, uh, of Buffalo in terms of the rebuild where now there's some expectation, but there's also the realization that they're not quite a finished product, but with Alexi Lafreniere coming in, I feel that he helps them in so many aspects but at the same time, they're not going to have to rely on him in a negative way because you have Panarin and Zibanejad up front. You know, Lafreniere, he's going to be an offensive driver, but, you know, like it sounds like early on in training camp, he was playing on the third line, which is perfect because he's going to get some great matchups. 
And then you look at the rest of the forwards and you say, how hard are they to play against? You know, well, they have Brendan Lemieux and Chris Kreider's not fun to play against. Lafreniere is not fun to play against. You know, he is a physical kid and he's got a pretty good frame on him already. So he makes them a little less fun to play against um, than they were last year. And, you know, as Ken mentioned, they, they've got the, the offense coming from the back end as well. Uh, you know, this is the first sort of official year of the Igor Shostorkin era in net where we're going to sort of full-time see what he can do, obviously, with Georgiev there as well, uh, who has a bit more experience. So just a super fun team. There's going to be some bumps along the road. They're going to lose some games they should win, but they're probably going to win some games they should have lost. Mm -hmm. I'm with you guys. I think they're as exciting as any team in the NHL to watch. And if you're betting on talent this year in a sprint of a season, I think you can't go wrong betting on the Rangers because they have so much of it. Even Zibanejad, he had, I think it was 34 goals in his last 40 games. That's like roughly a 70-goal pace. So even if he regresses a bit, I think it's it's amazing what he's done. And Adam Fox, you know, for all the, the hype that McCarr and Quinn Hughes got, Adam Fox was really good, too. He was better defensively than both of them. I think he is sort of the heir apparent. And even on the power play, he's going to eventually surpass Tony D'Angelo for that, that job. And the thing about Igor Shosterkin is – his difficulty of workload, same with Henrik Lundqvist last year, based on expected goals and just the quality of chances allowed, was the toughest in the entire league, right there with, with uh, Chicago's goaltending, what they faced as well. And the fact that Shesterkin was still that good is a testament to his talent. I think he he could be a Vezina candidate as, as soon as this year if the Rangers are a bit better around him defensively. Uh, and you can't forget about Capo Caco, who's going to, by the looks of it, is going to get a shot in it, with, with Jesper Foss gone. Everyone moves up the depth chart a little bit. And it looks like that Caco is going to be a second liner to start the year, which is pretty exciting. And I think, you know, he's someone who I like I remember talking to Caco's coaches uh, and, and they, they told me that he was the best player they've ever seen at, at that age. And, and that's comparing him to guys who were really amazing playing against men as teenagers like Michael Grandland and Sasha Barkov. And they said that Kako was even better at, at that age. So he's still only a year removed from, from that level of hype. And I think he's a, a classic post-hype sleeper. At the same time, if we're, if we're looking at the dislikes, you know, all these things we're saying about the Rangers that we like, we liked those things last year. Nothing's changed from last year's team. It's the same identity. That team got steamrolled by the Carolina Hurricanes because the Rangers are horrible, horrible defensively. Not just kind of struggling, they were absolutely atrocious defensively. And they have brought in, in my opinion, no personnel that changes that. We know that there are guys coming, you know, Keandre Miller and Niles Lundqvist coming down the pipeline, but I don't think they're gonna be making contributions just yet. And now you add Jack Johnson onto that pile to make your defense better? Hmm? No, <laughs> you're the worst defensive team they were in the Eastern Conference, and now you take Jack Johnson and add him to the to the pot. That's going to make them even worse. So I think that's a main criticism I have. It's just they they're terrible defensively, and I, I don't see that changing. So how can we expect the identity of this team to change? Ken, what do you not like about the Rangers? Well, I, I you know you, you you said it very well, and I think what we like about the Rangers is what we don't like about the Rangers too is their youth and inexperience. Um, and it's going to be a, an adventure at both ends of the ice tonight. There's or tonight this season, there's going to be a lot of games that are, you know, six, five, and we're not sure who's going to win them, but um, you know, I mean, early in his career, uh, Gump Worsley, when he was early in his career, he, he was played for the Rangers and, and he was asked which team gave him the most trouble in the league. And he said, the Rangers, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's going to be quite that bad, but those goalies who don't have a ton of experience 
are, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna have a, they're gonna have a lot of work. They're gonna have a lot of practice this year. <laughs> yeah, and just to sort of go even deeper on the D, you know, Jacob Truba has to be better. You know, the pairing he had in Winnipeg with Josh Morrissey, it feels like there was some sort of alchemy there that could not be represented when they were apart from each other. And the same goes for Josh Morrissey in Winnipeg. But, you know, Tony D'Angelo, you know, we saw the disconnected controller uh, defense uh, against Carolina that ended that series. And, and as you mentioned, Matt, you know, Jack Johnson comes in. He's not an improvement from anybody. Um, you know, Brendan Smith is still there. Is, is he still a defenseman? Is he just a forward now? I guess we'll see how they utilize him. It, it's going to be, it's going to be kind of rough this year, but again, as you mentioned, you know, they, they've got some kids coming in that, that will be able to buttress things in the near future. Now give me a quick summary, Ryan, to that, to that New Yorker. He's, you're grabbing a hot dog. I don't know why you're grabbing a hot dog, but he's like, yo, Woody, tell me about the ranges. <laughs> I would say uh, take the one train to Lafreniere town. It's going to be a great ride. They aren't, they aren't, they're, they aren't there yet, but they're coming and just wait a couple of years and this team's going to be really good. Steven says you go to weird weddings, man. Hey, <laughs> it's the hot dogs. It's the hot, it's the, it's the snack station. Okay. After midnight, uh, I would just say, you know, entertainment incarnate because it's going to be just high event hockey. It, they remind me a bit of like what the Leafs were two, three years ago. So they're going to score all the goals. They're going to allow all the goals. It's going to be fun. Speaking of the opposite of fun, the team that I, I, I think enjoy watching the least in the NHL uh, because, but it's, it's, you know, it's because of what they do well, the New York Islanders. So Kenny, tell me what you like about the, hang on, I'm just falling. <laughs> Sorry, I just fell. Uh, tell, tell me what you like about the New York Islanders. Well, assuming they, um, assuming they, they, that Matt Barzell, you know, signs and gets back into the fold. I love their top end talent. I love what they have down the middle with, you know, Barzell, Brock Nelson and John, uh, JG Pajot. Um, you know, that's obviously very good. Um, love their coaching. Um, you know, I think Barry Trotz is, is obviously one of the, the elite coaches in the NHL and, you know, may very well end up being the coach of Canada's Olympic team. So, um, you know, there, there is a lot to like there. They have done some really good things in the past couple of years. Um, and as you say, they don't do it in the most exciting way, but, um, but they do it. Yeah. And it's, it almost feels like we don't really talk about the Islanders in the regular season because that's not really their thing. This is like a playoff team and they're built for playoff hockey. They're built for the grind. They're built for those games where the details really matter. So in the regular season, they're going to have some games that, you know, they lose because the other team is playing a lot looser and the, the stakes aren't as high. But, I mean, it's still a really solid lineup. And I think what's interesting about this team is how they continue to fold in talent because you really have to earn your spot with the Islanders. And, I mean, the, you know, the kid I'm looking at is Noah Dobson. And like, how much do we see of him this season? Because – he's a game breaker. You know, he is everything you want in a modern day defenseman. So mobile, good with the puck, and he has size. So if you can sort of knead him into the dough, 
um, then that's a little more dynamism than you had last year. And of course, you know, Matt Barzell leads the crew in that respect. But, you know, I, I'm excited to see how much Dobson we get. And, and also, Ilya Sorokin, how much do we see him in net versus Semyon Varlamov, who obviously is the, you know, the unquestioned starter right now. But I mean, Sorokin's the future. He's right up there with Shesterkin, uh, which can be a great New York rivalry in terms of goaltending in a couple of years. But, you know, right now, this is a team that is good in the regular season and very good in the playoffs. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if they can take that next step. Mm-hmm. It's funny. How crazy is it that for the next Olympics, Russia can choose between Vasilevsky, Bobrovsky, Ilya Samsonov, Igor Shesterkin, Ilya Sorokin as their top five goalies it's unfair um yeah I, I agree with you ryan and, and i do think you can make a case this is the best coached team in the nhl and they have a system that's ugly it's, it's bend but don't break defense but if you look at the way the numbers broke down last year it, it perfectly summarizes what the islanders are so they allowed the third most shot attempts in the league at five on five only the 13th most shots that actually got to the goalie and they blocked the most shots for 60 so they they say it's almost like they're that what's that animal that like that's that it's, it's a snake that lets like other uh, fish take a bite of it. And then it attacks. It's like the Islanders, they do a rope-a-dope thing where they're like, yeah, you can shoot from, from far out and you can shoot from wide and we'll block it. And it's a low percentage chance. Go ahead. And we'll take the puck. And, you know, like you said, Ken, they are very deep up the middle, great goaltending. So, you know, we know what they are. It's, it's not enjoyable to watch. I know I'm harping on them, but it's just the truth. If there's an Islanders game, if there's a, if there's a list of every team playing and I'm looking to watch a team for entertainment, I'm not going to choose the Islanders game. But like you said, Ryan, they're built for the playoffs. If they get in, they can do damage. So what do you not like about this team, Ken? Well, it's funny. You know, I mean, we've talked about these rankings, right? And these rankings that we've done based on division were based on what we our league rankings that we did overall. Uh, you know, a couple of months ago, and they didn't reflect the divisions because we didn't know what the divisions were at that time. But has anybody noticed we've got the Islanders in fifth place in a division where only four teams are going to make the playoffs? Somebody's missed. Somebody's good. Somebody good is going to miss here. Yeah. Them or Pittsburgh or, you know, maybe a team that just completely flops. Somebody really good is going to miss here. And as it stands right now, I'm not sure that I agree, but we have a missing. (laughs) You know, that's neither here nor there, but, but, you know, I mean, uh, for all the firepower they have up front, I, I'm not, I'm not crazy about their, their, their offense. I really think they, you know, I mean, if they hadn't been, you know, so they, they just been cut down at the knees by the salary cap. They, they could have gone after a guy like Mike Hoffman, you know, it cost them Devin Taves, who is, you know, that's a net loss there. Um, you know, although Noah Dobson, as you said, Ryan can, can jump into there. Um, you know, I mean, so yeah, I mean, they're, they're not a lot of fun to watch. They're not uh, a dynamic team. And, uh, I, you know, I kind of worry about the division they're in right now. Yeah. I think that's a very real concern and going back to the regular season, you know, what happens if they have to get into a track meet, um, during a game in the regular season, you know, what happens when you're, they're playing a team that says, yeah, we're just going to open up and we're going to make this. You know, a, a last goal win scenario. I, I don't know if the Islanders have enough firepower to do that, you know, sort of on a dime. And again, in a playoff series, you can kind of psych out the other team. But in the regular season, that could be a concern for the Islanders is that they don't get to play their game night after night. Mm-hmm. 
And it's, it's funny, I'll rhyme off some names for you and you can probably add up on a couple of hands their career goals. Michael Del Cole, Josh Hosang, Oliver Wallstrom, Kiefer Bellows. Uh, if you're looking for the improvement from within, the Islanders have a, a pretty spotty track record with developing their first round picks. There are some that hit, obviously, so Barzell and Anthony Bavillier, but it's been a problem for a long time with this franchise. I, I remember talking to an anonymous executive of, a, of a, another Metro division team a couple of years ago. I said, why do the Islanders have trouble developing their players? And he said, go, go to their directory and look up their number of scouts and, and development staff. They have the fewest in the NHL. And I did. And they did. And it seems like I, I'm sure that, you know, Lula Morello has expanded that. And that's probably a big reason why they brought him in because, you know, he has a great track record of player development, but we're still seeing the long-term ripple effect effect of the previous regime where the guys that were supposed to be up and key veteran contributors aren't there. So, and because like you said, Ken, the cap, there was no room to make improvements this off season. The Islanders are really relying on improvement from within. And we're just waiting on it. We're waiting. Like I, I assume that Wallstrom's the guy most likely from that group to finally to get it. Um, because, you know, he's the youngest as well, but they just need it. And if they don't get it, then there's just, there's not many guys there that are going to do the, the scoring in, in key situations. And overall, I just say the Islanders are, I think the least improved team in the league, just in terms of the fact that they only subtracted and they, they didn't gain and And, you know, there are some, some kind of handshake signings that we're waiting to be official, like Matt Martin coming back and Corey Schneider, but those don't move the needle at all. So can you guys summarize how you feel about these aisles? Kenny, we'll start with you. Um, well, enjoy the last season at Nassau Coliseum, even though you're not going to be able to go to the games. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I would say, yes, I know it's on Long Island, not in Long Island. Uh, enjoy Noah Dobson. It's just crazy. Like this division, man. Wow. It's vicious, especially compared to the, the West division where there's like three good teams. <laughs> and like the fact that, like you said, I kind of good team's going to miss. So let's get to the middle of the pack now. Oh, wait, before we go, before we go, uh, uh, there's now a change that the NHL just announced that the, uh, they now got sponsors for all the divisions. So this, this division is going to be the Mass Mutual NHL East division. And the other That'll go over big. Are they going to win the Avco Cup? The other divisions. Freak out. The other divisions are the Discover NHL Central Division, the Honda NHL West Division, and the Scotia NHL North Division. I'm not calling them that. I'm not. I'm telling you right now. I'm not calling them that. But also, also, I don't care. All these people that are like, helmets. It's like, shut up. Do you want helmets on jerseys in hockey or no helmets and no hockey, you idiots? Anyways, if, if you see the Montreal Canadiens ads, they're way too big on the helmets. Every other one seems to be fine. But yeah, it's like, yeah, you got, if you want to keep the lights on, guess what? Fans couldn't go to games, so they got to make money. If you want to watch hockey, you losers. <laughs> okay, so what do you like about the Pittsburgh Penguins, Ryan? I like that they still have Sidney Crosby and Benny Malkin. Uh, those are two of the best players in the world. And even though they are veterans in this league and are both well into their 30s at this point uh they're still pretty incredible and they're difference makers on any given night so that would be the big takeaway also they they just re-signed john marino and i think he has a, a great future he's al already had some you know some great games and and seasons in the nhl um so i i think they've got some nice pieces 
Yeah, um, I like that Sidney. I like that Sidney Crosby's still still there, but I also like that he's the heartbeat and the moral compass of this team. I, I don't think there's going to be, uh, you know, there, there there's going to be there's going to be slippage in this group, but I I don't think he's going to let that happen on his watch precipitously. You know, I mean, they've got elite talent at some really key spots. You know, obviously with Crosby and Malkin. You know, Chris Letang is a, is still a, a I, I think an elite offensive producing defenseman. Um, you know, Jake Gensel, you know, uh, coming back healthy and 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 that this year, you know, is a is a trigger man for this team. Uh, so there's a lot to like in terms of their ability to create offense and the fact that they've just got guys that I don't think are going to let the standard slip. Yeah, it's funny. You guys sound like. Uh... Principal Skinner with Ralph Wiggum's diorama with the Star Wars figures. They're still here. Hey, they're back. Like Crosby, Malkin. Uh, but, it, but it's true. The top end talent is there. And I think that the interesting element of this Penguins team now is their identity kind of changed. They're actually a really good defensive team now, or at least they were last year. And I think John Marino is a big reason for that. I also like the idea, you know, Jim Rutherford has been very public trying to squash the idea of the window closing, even though it is. And he's trying, right? So he, so he's bringing, he brings in Mike Matheson, Kasperi Kapanen, Mark Jankowski. He's making changes. I do think, you know, Kapanen. I think people have to pump the brakes a bit because Kapanen has always played with really good centers. But from a pure chemistry standpoint, I think there's a lot of better. That reminds me of Pascal Dupuis. Really fast, can kill penalties. Doesn't score quite as much as as you'd think, but hardworking. I just think he's a nice fit for Crosby. So that's something to get excited about. What, what are you not excited about with the Penguins, Ken? Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot. Um, I, I, I worry about how this team is trending, first of all. I mean, that, and that's, you know, what do they say? Father time is undefeated, right? So, um, I, you know, I mean, you look at the last two playoffs and this team has not been a competitive playoff team at all. Like not even close, get, get swept by the Islanders and then lose to Montreal um, in the last two playoffs. That's, that's not a good trend. Um, you know, I, I think the loss of Patrick Hornquist is really going to hurt this team in terms of both heart and soul and what he sort of brought on the ice as well. Um, you know, I mean, you talked about their defense, but, you know, I mean, Mike Matheson has had a rough go of it. You know, Cody Ceci's still, I think, in their top six. So I'm not sure about that, how good they're going to be on the back end either. Yeah, that's my concern is that they got rid of Jack Johnson and brought in two Jack Johnsons. <laughs> Double down. Maybe, maybe that's a little harsh on Michael Matheson, uh, but he did really struggle last year. And uh, yeah, Latang's there. You know, I, I still really like Brian Dumoulin and I mentioned John Marino, but I just worry that they don't have enough good defensemen to to paper over some of their deficiencies and you know Matt you're right I mean they do have forwards who play very well defensively obviously Sidney Crosby is number one on that list but that blue line's looking a little shaky and I also get a little concerned when an upstart goaltender loses his security blanket Tristan Jari would be that guy right now, now that Matt Murray is in Ottawa. You know, Tristan Jari was fantastic last season, but, you know, the stakes weren't incredibly high because if he failed, Matt Murray was still there and there was no expectations on Jari. Uh, now the expectations are on Tristan Jari. If it's not him, it's Casey DeSmith. And, you know, Casey DeSmith is not a starter at the NHL level. So, my worry is that this team really gets caved in 
when it comes to defense and goaltending. And they no longer have the firepower outside of Gensel and Crosby and Malkin to make up for it. You know, we talked about a, a good team finishing fifth in this division. I, I think I'm more worried about the Penguins than I am about the Islanders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do think you can make a case that they're, they're heading toward a cliff because they've just been so good for so long. They've mortgaged so much of their future that they have, you know, right. They're right down at the bottom of the league with the San Jose Sharks for the weak, weakest farm crops in the NHL, you know, victims of their own success, as I always say. And that puts a lot of pressure on Crosby and Malkin and Latang, three guys who are having trouble staying healthy to stay healthy because there just isn't the depth anymore behind them. And like you said about, about Tristan Jari, Ryan, you know, it, the sample size is small and, Everyone talks about how good he was last year. His save percentage after the All-Star break was 897. So the bubble started to burst before the season even ended. And it's it's a big gamble by Rutherford to be betting on someone with such a small sample size. And, and who knows who's going to blow up in their face? It could. Uh, and if we're kind of summarizing the Penguins, I'd say, you know, they're, they're probably still good. But, like, I think they're hanging by a thread right now. And I feel like several years in a row I've said it's over. And i got to stop saying that because they still have the talent. But – there's a ton of downside. Every one of these, every year there's a ton of downside. It, the the bottom's going to fall out. And maybe the season in which only four teams make the playoffs in a tough division is the, the season in which the bottom finally does fall out. What do you guys think, Kenny, uh, summarize those Penguins? Well, yeah, I, I think, you know, I think that if they do make the playoffs this year, it'll just be delaying the inevitable. Mm. And if I'm at a Pittsburgh wedding and it's not part of the deer hunter, I'm going to say uh, <laughs> Yins might be in trouble. so let's move on now to the washington capitals which i a team i think might be just like the penguins a couple years ago uh what do we like about them ryan kennedy well i mean they still have an incredibly dynamic roster um you know alice ovechkin has shown no signs that he has stopped enjoying scoring goals and he will probably score quite a few once again this year um Evgeny Kuznetsov he's still one of my favorite centers in the league both on and off the ice I think that you know the emergent the emergence of Yakov Rana it, it might have taken a while but I think we're we're at that point and you know for all his deficiencies defensively John Carlson is still an awesome offensive defenseman so I think you know they're going to be able to score goals and um Ilya Samsonov is very exciting in net and and again you know um, you know, they had Holpe last year who was kind of on the decline. I think Samsonov is ready to be the guy full-time. I, I don't have any concerns there, even though he doesn't have a lot of NHL experience. I think he's shown already uh, what he can be. So it, it's going to be an, an exciting team, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure their top six from that Stanley Cup team in 2018 is basically still intact. Um, you know, so like they got that going for them, eh? And, uh, and, you know, I, I mean, you talked about John Carlson, you know, defensively, I think, you know, Zdeno Chara is going to be a real interesting guy to watch this year uh, with this team, what his role is going to be, but, but he makes them obviously a lot deeper defense. And, and, you know, I mean, this, this team after, after flaming out in the playoffs, the last two years, you know, needed a change behind the bench. They got it in Peter Laviolette. And Peter Laviolette is the kind of, he's a turnaround artist, right? Like he's really good at that. So he's a guy that, you know, will be eager to come in and put a stamp on the team, you know, and, you know, implement a structured, uh, you know, organized sort of defensive system and, and, you know, let them loose offensively. And he's a guy that's, you know, been known to, 
kind of be a quick turnaround guy. So, uh, you know, he, he should be a big help there too. For sure. And, and I do think GM Brian McClellan, I think he understands that the, the Capitals are getting close to the end of that window. So he's starting to patch over the holes and he understands that they, 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 they've showed signs of regressing defensively, which is strange because Todd Reardon, the defensive guru, once he became head coach, the Capitals started playing worse defensively. Uh, and so you bring in, you know, not just Char, but you also re-sign Brendan Dillon, you bring in Justin and Schultz and you bring in Trevor Van Meems like suddenly the, the overall blue line depth I think looks quite strong and you know you have a, you have a good next man up type of setup there and like you said Ryan Samsonov I think it's his long-term chance and just I still see just there's still even upside in that top six forward group because of Jacob Vrana he's one of the most efficient goal scorers in the league he's scoring a ton of goals with limited minutes and if they give him more ice time he could actually start flirting with you know being one of the top goal scorers in the league on the actual leaderboard uh, so I, I like the fact that there's still some youth and upside mixed into that veteran group if we're looking at our dislikes you know i would say this is I, they might be the oldest team in the nhl they're close uh, their average age is over 30 years old now with the char signing so a short season a lot of wear and tear maybe the oldest team in the league or at least very close to it i'm worried about that what are you worried about ryan i don't have a lot of General concerns, I, I don't love their bottom six. Um, but again, I mean, we're talking about a pretty talented team with experience and, and they did beef up their defense. So I, I don't have a lot of major concerns. That, that would kind of be it is, you know, if you get into a seven game series with a deeper team, you might be in trouble. Um, and I mean, great point about the age. I think that would factor in as well, but I don't have a lot of structural concerns. You know, I want, I want to tell people that are watching this that, you know, don't let the uh, incredibly high production values of this uh, podcast fool you. Um, you know, we don't, we don't rehearse these beforehand. And if we did rehearse them beforehand, I wouldn't say exactly what Matt said. You know, that the oldest team in the league went out and got, got the oldest player in the league. You know, and, and <laughs> like Matt, I do worry about the back-to-backs. This is going to be a chaotic season, guys. The season is not going to be like any other season. It's it's going to be chaos. If you're not playing back-to-back, you're playing every other night. <laughs> you know, you're playing three and four. And I worry about this team getting worn down. And and it happened last year. It did happen to that to this team last year. It, you know, you know, guys, if, if the season hadn't been truncated and hadn't been stopped because of the pandemic, I'm absolutely certain that the Philadelphia Flyers would have won the Metropolitan Division. They would have overtaken the Washington Capitals. They were turning upwards. The Capitals were turning downward in a big, big way. Um, and, you know, I do worry about how they're going to be able to handle uh, a season that, you know, like, like I said, I, I can't think of any other word than chaotic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if we're summarizing them, I just say, you know, they're near the end of the line here. I think the Capitals, they, they got one or two more real swings at the fences, and then they're going to move into the Pittsburgh Penguins denial phase, but they're not there yet. Uh, what do you think, Ryan? I'm going to say Alex Ovechkin is as big a Washington DC institution as discord records. Sure. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm going to say, enjoy it while it lasts. Cause it's, it's going to get ugly in a couple of years. All right. Uh, moving into our number two team in the East now. And Ken, you touched on it with trending upward. It's the Philadelphia flyers. So Kenny, tell me what you like about these trending upward flyers. Well, one of the things I really like is that, you know, Philadelphia used to be a place where goalies went to watch their careers die. You know, we've seen it for the past, 
more than a decade. And, and, and it really does look like Carter Hart has reserved, has reversed that trend. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, that, that's been a, that's been a real bugaboo for this franchise for a long, long time. Um, you know, this is a team last year that, that really under Alain Vigneault and, and it shouldn't be surprised really turned around their goals differential list last year. Um, you know, they went from minus 30 something to, you know, they, it was a, it was stark, um, you know, and I, I like the youthful talent they have on the defense core. I thought a couple of those guys, a couple of the young guys seemed to hit a bit of a stutter the year before, and you were wondering about their development and then they picked it up last year. You know, this is a team on the rise without question. Yeah. And what I like about the flyers is that, I feel last year the reliance on Claude Giroux went away. You know, for a, for a few years there, it was kind of the Giroux and Voracek show. And then obviously Couturier and Giroux was a great combination. But I feel like they're at the point now where Couturier is still fantastic, but Travis Konechny broke out. And then they added Joel Farabee, who is just such a fun young forward that can do so many things. And, you know, obviously Giroux is still up there, but he doesn't have to be the be-all, end-all. And I think that's really important. And when you add in those young defensemen, uh, you know, led by Ivan Provorov, who, you know, as Ken referenced, you know, both him and Shane Gossesbear uh, had their ups and downs, but they're starting to mature. Travis Sanheim, you know, Philippe Myers, I thought Robert Haig was pretty good. Um, and then Carter Hart and Nett. Like, all of a sudden, you have a team. You know, you have a team where different guys can step up. And I think that's important. They're not as one-dimensional as they used to be. For sure. I think you guys summarized it so perfectly. I don't really have much to add because that's exactly what I said. But I, I just love the depth, especially. Even bringing in Kevin Hayes and seeing Scott Lawton even break out. I think they're mm -hmm. maybe the deepest team, top to bottom, all four lines at forward in the NHL. And they're so much better defensively now. If we're looking at what we don't like, I'm waiting on the next generation in terms of the offensive ceiling among the forwards. So, you know, you do have guys like Giroux and Voracek, James Van Beams, like they're starting to enter their declines. They're not in total decline, but they've passed their peaks. And, you know, you do have Travis Connecton stepping up now is probably the best overall offensive threat as a forward. But between Nolan Patrick, who I think is coming back and going to get a chance to, to try and conquer those migraines, Joel Farabee, Morgan Frost, you got to see one of these guys break out now. It's time. It's time for one of them. It doesn't have to be all three but they need that next generation to come because they didn't make another big splashy addition after signing Kevin Hayes the year before. I think it's time for one of those guys to step up. They need that extra dynamic dimension to the forward group now because they have the depth. What do you guys think Philly is missing? Ken. Well, I, I, I think, you know, you bring up some good points, Matt, but I, I don't think it's enough to just say, yeah, you know, uh, Claude Giroux, James Van Riemsdyk, you know, Jacob Borchek, they're all on the decline. Therefore, we shouldn't expect too much from them. They need more from those guys. They, they definitely need more from Voracek and Van Riemsdyk. They need more offense from those guys. And, you know, I, I, I like that they kind of approach it as an offense by committee kind of thing. I like that, but you'd like to see a game breaker in there. And I, and I don't see that. And I, I, I'm not sure that there's one that's going to emerge or if Chuck Fletcher's, you know, going to have the wherewithal to be able to go out and get one. But I think that's what they're missing. Mm. my concern is I, I really didn't like their playoff bubble um I don't think they played very well against Montreal 
And Montreal was a mediocre team. You know, like they had to put in some effort to beat the Habs. And to me, that wasn't a good sign. So it's not anything to do with the personnel necessarily, but it was just a vibe that it felt like these Flyers weren't ready for the next step. And, and maybe they corrected that over the offseason. And maybe this is their time to make a long run. But I didn't see it in the 2020 bubble. Mm-hmm. And if we're summarizing the Flyers very carefully, because angry Flyers fan might fight you at the wedding. Uh, I would just say, you know, they're right there. I- I'm really high on them. I just wish they added one piece. They really didn't, you know, bringing in Eric Gustafson just basically offsets the Niskanen retirement. So you've changed nothing. And status quo is always dangerous uh, in today's league, which is so constantly dynamic and changing. I, w- I just wish they could have chased, I don't know, Mike Hoffman, Taylor Hall, found a way to go after someone, but they didn't. And I think it's disappointing because I think they're right there with the, the top or so close to being a top contender. Uh, Kenny, Quick, quickly summarize the Flyers. Well, I tell the guy at the wedding, Jacob Voracek and Gritty have never been seen together in the same place. Coincidence? I think not. Good call. And I'd say Joel Farabee's got a motor that can run from here to King of Prussia and back. All right. Uh, we're going to finish it off now with the Boston Bruins. And again, you know, these are our consensus rankings. I have a lot of worries about the Bruins for a team that we have ranked first. I don't know if this is the number one team in the East, uh, but we'll start with the positives. Ryan, what do you like about Boston? Well, I mean, this is an organization that knows how to get it done. And, you know, they're going to start the season with some injury woes. Uh, Obviously, David Pasternak and Brad Marchand. Um, You know, that's going to be a short-term problem. If I'm going to be an optimist, it's a chance for other guys to step up. It's a chance for Jake DeBrusque to really seize something special. It's a chance for Andre Kasha to prove that he was a good acquisition uh, when the Bruins uh, obviously spent a lot to get him. And for Patrice Bergeron, who obviously has nothing to prove, I mean, he's essentially, he'll be the captain, you know? I mean, sometimes I forgot that he wasn't the captain the past couple of years. Um, no, no disrespect to Zdeno Chara. It's just weird to think of a world where Patrice Bergeron's not the captain. Uh, they're pretty lucky in that regard. And, you know, on defense, uh, not only Chara's gone, but Tori Krug as well. Charlie McAvoy, this is your year, buddy. I mean, you're going to have to play a lot of minutes and they're going to have to be really important. Uh, so I think it's a, it's a very good challenge. And I mean, these are guys that I, I can see them stepping up. Yeah, I, I like that when the Bruins are healthy and firing on all cylinders, they're still a very elite team in the NHL and a definitive, definitive Stanley Cup contender. I, I think Bruce Cassidy got his due last year winning the Jack Adams trophy. I think they're one of the best coach teams in the league. Um, you know, I like the depth down the middle. And, and you know, I mean, I like the culture that they've created uh, in Boston. You know, the tone was set by Zdeno Charo, who's now gone. But, you know, there are a lot of guys there there who's who are still kind of disciples of that culture and and i i think that uh you know i think that counts for a lot for sure i, I do think they've earned our trust that they've got that winning culture they've got amazing power play year after year best line in hockey once pastor next back jack stanika i think is bringing an intriguing element as well i'm very excited to see what he can do we know the goaltending is always good uh, but despite the fact there's that trust if we're looking at what we're worried about with the bruins that decor man like i i'm late for practice because i'm the number six defenseman on the Boston Bruins that's how bad it is like how many how many NHL regulars legitimate NHL regulars are left you lose 
Chara and Tori Krug and you replace them with nobody. I'm very worried for a team that's supposed to be the best team in the NHL, President's Trophy winner. You got nothing back there after Brendan Carlo, Charlie McAvoy. And you know, you do you have a couple guys like Connor Clifton that have earned the right to be NHL starters, but that's about it. I, I'm extremely worried. I don't know what they're gonna do. And I'm kind of surprised that they have not tried to make a big addition. Uh, it's the most worried I've been if, I, if I'm summarizing them as well. I've never been, I haven't been this worried about the Bruins for, I don't know, a good five years. So what about you, Ryan? Do you, are you as worried as I am about this team? I do have concerns and in you know, defense, that's a great point. I also, with those high end injuries, my big worry would be in a shortened season, what happens if they get into an early hole and just can't make up the points in time to actually get into that top four? Because as we said, I mean, this is going to be a, a razor sharp division. And I don't think you can really take anything for granted, even though the Bruins have been an elite NHL team uh, the past five years or so, even longer than that. I, I don't think you can discount how important a good start will be. Yeah, you know, losing Krug and, and, and Dan O'Chara, like that really puts a strain, <clears throat> excuse me, on, on Charlie McAvoy to really step up and be the stud on this defense. And it, and it really hurts them on both special teams. I mean, Krug was the, court, quarter, uh, the power play quarterback and, and Dan O'Chara was the sort of linchpin killing penalty. So that's, that's really going to hurt them. I don't, I don't like that a team that you know, really needed an injection of something, you know, I think, what did they do? They went out and got Craig Smith, you know, so, uh, so I, I worry about that. Um, you know, obviously the injury concerns, you know, Marshawn should be ready early in the season, if not for the beginning of the season, Pasternak will probably be out for the first month of the season. So that's, that's going to be tough. And, and like you say, Ryan, in, in a, in a season where you can't afford, especially in this division, because it's not just going to be the number of points you have to make up. It's going to be all the teams you have to jump over and how good they are. So I worry about them getting off to that, getting off to a start that might not be favorable. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to summarize the Bruins, I'm just going to say it's going to suck for the first place team in the East when Boston gets in on the last day of the season and is the four seed. And then the number one team has to play Boston in the first round and gets upset. That's going to really suck. Uh, quick summary before we wrap it up, Ryan, summarize those Bruins. I'm at a wedding. I say, yeah, I know Matt Grizzlick's dad worked at the, the arena for years, uh, but is he a top four defenseman? <laughs> I would say the, the Bruins are going to be good. They have the chance to be really good. Are they going to be wicked awesome enough to win the Stanley Cup? I think that's a stretch. All right, fellas. Well, that summarizes the East podcast and all of our team preview podcasts. It's been fun. We can't wait for this crazy, wacky season to start. We'll be back with maybe some bold predictions on the next podcast. Thank you for listening and for watching.